This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Don't Look Back, Getting Unstuck and Moving Forward with Passion and Purpose, written and narrated by Christine Kane, with an audiobook exclusive track from Christine, available now everywhere you get audiobooks. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here with my boy, Jared C. Wilson. We're going to talk about prayer today. Jared, how do you feel about that? I feel really good. Can, can I take a moment to, to do something else just for a yes, second? Yes, absolutely. I love it. I don't it. know if we're allowed to do this on this podcast. I think we're allowed to do whatever we want because it's our show. Really? Okay. I think. I mean, we I have think. sponsors, or, or we have a sponsor. I think. Yes, yes. Um, I, I want to plug, I have a new book out. Is that yes, okay to do that? Yes, please plug it. I'm not, Absolutely. It's not, this isn't going to be a full radio advertising spot. And it's yeah. not going to be the whole episode. But I do have a new book out that comes out this week. It's called Gospel Driven Ministry, and it's uh, out from Zondervan Publishers. And it's basically about how the the art of pastoring is carried out through the power of the gospel. And so it kind of covers the qualifications and calling of, of the pastor all the way through preaching and counseling and navigating conflict and loving your family all the way. The last chapter is on dying. So it really ends on a real positive note. Oh, there. that's great. Yeah, that sounds hopeful. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's that sounds well, about, amazing. About, about dying to self. And then, of course, uh, <laughs> you know, planning for your, for your own death. So if you really want an A to Z experience, yeah. gospel-driven ministry from Zondervan Publishers, is out this week, and I'd be very grateful if anybody was willing to check it out. And so, Jared, see, you've mentioned that you feel like this is your magnum opus. Like, this is yeah. the one. This is, up to this point, at least. Yeah, that's not arrogant the, at all, is it? Like, this is my magnum no, opus. No, not is at all. I think, no, no, I don't think it's arrogant. I, you're okay. not saying it's the best book ever written. You're just saying it's the best book you've ever written, I think, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, maybe best book. I just see it as, like, everything I put in this book. That's yeah. how I was seeing it, as you know, 25 years of ministry and the culmination of the last 10, 15 years of, of public ministry as well, all the, the speaking on and consulting and coaching on ministry yeah, and, and working with pastors, all of that has gone into this book as well. So that's why I called it that. And it was pretty tongue in cheek, I think. No, I, but I think that's fair. And I think, you know, having read the book, having blurbed it, I, man, yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. You endorsed it. I, I'm I sorry. It. I, I should have yeah. said the Ronnie Martin endorsed. I think that that's how you should have let off. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> let's lead off these things correctly next time, okay. shall we? Um, but no. But I, I got a chance to read it. You know what I loved about it too. This is more my heart, but it's just so practical, man. It, it yeah. like you're you're just you really are on the ground with this book, and so it's something that. I think it's one of, it's almost, it almost reads like a manual in some ways, which isn't like a, that's not a rousing endorsement right? in and of itself. Well, it's like a manual, but um, cause I hate manuals, but so I mean that in the po- I mean that in the most positive way in terms of like something you're going to grab and it, it's, it's going to like help like res- reset, like what you do as a pastor, I think year to year. And I, so it's one of those, Hey, I, I should read that every 
January. You know, I should like I get my so. head screwed on straight again. Oh, really, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's I think it's really good though. So forward from Ray Ortland and yeah. endorsed by the great Ronnie Martin. And, I mean, what and do you lesser want? lights like Paul Tripp and Harold Sinkbale. Yeah. But really, the Ronnie Martin endorsement is. I think. Which didn't make the back cover. I gotta, I gotta throw that out there. I, I don't make those decisions, brother. You know, Very sorry about that. This Zonder is uh, so we're pushing the limits of uh, a banter here. <laughs> All right, we're we're at three and a half minutes of banter, which is really pressing people's capacity for banter, and it's about a plug for a book. So like we've really crossed the line. Plug for a book that like uh, you got paid for, but I'm not getting paid to endorse. So that is uh, yeah. making it really well, awkward. Well, the, yeah, the exactly. tables will turn soon enough. We'll have something of yours. <laughs> A little music album, a little happy rant book. You know, we got a lot of product. I think between the two of us, there's quite a bit <laughs> a of, lot product. of product. There's a lot of product coming out. This Merchandising. Year, that's, for sure. that's the way to go. Hey, well, let's talk about prayer. When we were doing some pre-show prep on this and we were discussing, hey, you know, what do we want to discuss and what are we seeing with pastors and some things, especially given this year that maybe we're seeing a lack of, we need to see more of. The thing that immediately struck me was prayer. I was at a micro conference. This was some years ago. What is this, by the way? Tell me what a micro conference is. A little conference? Yeah, it's like yeah, it was a pa- it was a pastors <laughs> conference. It was sort of more exclusive to where you had to be invited to it, and it wasn't like big, so it was like okay. it was smaller. Okay. And um, so I guess that that's what they called it. I don't know. I mean, okay. Yeah, that's what they called it. So the main guy, like the keynote dude was up there. He was doing a session on prayer. And I remember he said this thing and it really stuck out to me. He said, he just looked at everybody and it gets all pastors in the room. He goes, here's the thing, man. He goes, I suck at prayer. You suck at prayer. And we all do. And, and he, then he, he, he kind of took that as the basis for just like sort of, you know, keying in on, on everything that he was going to talk about. But it really struck me in the sense that like pastors, that has to be the thing that we don't suck at, if I can use that word, right? Yeah. You know, to just sort of like, and, and again, I think he was making a true statement, unfortunately. But I, I feel like when we talk about like our prayer lives and prayer being like this, man, it's just this total like foundational thing for us. We don't have like the luxury of that being something that we're no good at, right? Or something that we just are constantly sort of like kind of cycling back to as being something that Oh man, I just, I have so much work to do in that area. I, I continue just to uh, ignore it and neglect it. And we believe that prayer is foundational in terms of even as we talk through this program is, is something that is part and parcel of the art of pastoring. So I just want to talk about that. I want to talk about why prayer is this thing that we can so easily say consistently year after year that we're bad at. And, and why are we bad at it if we are? How do we need to find some turnarounds with that really key element in our lives? What, like, what strikes you about that when I when I say that? Well, I totally agree with the statement that I suck at prayer or that we suck at prayer. I, I don't know if I'd say we because I don't know how widespread the problem is, but I tend to agree with you or the microconference speaker that you yeah. referenced. I, I think it's very common, actually. Most of us do not have to be pushed. Most pastors don't have to be pushed too hard yeah. to, to read and study. We seem more naturally inclined to that. I'll just speak in the first person. I'm more naturally inclined to that. It doesn't take a whole lot of motivation to get me to read my Bible. Some days it takes more than others, but in general, it's not a big push. Mm -hmm. And I was actually just talking about this. So like, even before we started recording, I was on one of my coaching sessions with some guys, and we were talking about prayer, and I was talking about why it comes so difficult, I think. And I think for me, part of the reason is – when you're reading something or you're studying something, 
there is the appearance or the feeling, the sensation of accomplishment, mm-hmm. of some kind of even, even productivity, even though reading a book isn't the same as building something. So it may not have the same feeling, but you've, you, you know more, you've got information, there's something that's happening or you've, you know, you finished the study or the book or whatever it is, but it just feels more productive and, and prayer in my experience does not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not efficient. It doesn't have the hallmarks of efficiency. It's, it doesn't feel productive. And then on top of that, you put the fact that you're talking to someone who does not speak back audibly. Mm. And you're speaking to someone who you cannot see. Yeah. So the invisibility and the inaudibility on top of what is this thing that I'm doing? <laughs> right. Well, what's the payoff? It's not right, but that's what's at work in, yeah. in me. That's what's what's pushing against the Holy Spirit. That's what's quenching the Spirit, nudging me to remember to talk to my friend Jesus. Yeah, I think that I think what you said, there's a word you just used, productivity. And I think that's really good because I, you know, I was recently talking to a friend of mine who is a Korean pastor, and he was giving me a little bit of insight into what prayer looks like for for the Korean church. Okay. What does like it look like? The, oh, it's just it's insane. Like these guys have just he said he grew up, you know, the Korean church is so committed to prayer. So he grew up just doing these like marathon like prayer sessions that would last sometimes he said like four or five, six hours at a time, the entire church would get together and they would pray and they would pray and they would pray. They were so committed to it. He said, it's what they did. So he said, when he kind of got out of that and got more into sort of the brand of evangelicalism that we all sort of function in, I think for him, it was the strange thing because he kind of looked around and said, it's weird that none, none of you guys pray. And when you do, it's just sort of the, the token, I should be doing this. I have to open up the meeting with prayer. I open up the meal with prayer. I cap things off with a quick prayer. He said, man, the Koreans, the Korean church, that's, that is what they do. So like yeah. you, you, you do those other things as the caps in a sense, you know? Well, and I don't think it's just pastors. I mean, every, every pastor can point to a person or maybe a few people in their church that are really fervent in yes. prayer, they're really the, you know, the old phrase, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, evangelicalese <laughs> now, but the prayer warrior, right? You know, we, we all, we all know prayer warriors and they tend to be like 70, you know, three-year-old women. Those are the yeah. prayer warriors really. But if you, you know, every pastor can testify to this, all, you know, almost every pastor, the prayer, if you had a prayer service, yeah, it, it's the least attended, you know, function of the church. Yeah. You'll have, you know, 200 people come out for the regular worship gathering of some kind, but four people are showing up for the prayer meeting. Yeah. And so I just think it's epidemic within evangelicalism. And in fact, as long as we're still sharing stories there, last week I was talking to a guy and we were kind of just reflecting on this kind of gospel-centered movement thing and whatever it is and how it was, some were touting it 10, 15 years ago as perhaps the seeds of or or the beginning of some kind of revival that could be happening, yeah. a recovery of Protestant distinctives related to salvation and expository preaching. And and you had, in, in some sense, a big tent. I mean, it, it felt different because you had 
different denominations and even ethnic diversity. You had them all kind of gathering under this auspice of of the gospel. Yeah. And I was I was saying like I, I don't know the I don't know why you can see kind of the symptoms of the great balkanization of this movement or the you know the fracturing of it. What exactly was happening? I think there's multiple kind of stress points that mm-hmm. created this, but w- why ultimately it didn't seem to galvanize into a wider revival. And my friend just said, "Well, I can tell you why I think." He said, "Of all the emphases, prayer was mm-hmm. not one of them." Wow. Yeah. I don't know if he's right, but I tend to think he is. It's hard to argue with that, isn't it? It's definitely hard to argue with, especially when you look back at other revivals. Yeah. And other great moves of God. They none of them came without a people who were desperately, yeah, brokenly, fervently engaged in prayer, pleading, pleading with God to do mighty things. And we just don't have that anymore. And and I don't know why that is. So two things come to mind when I think about lack of prayer, I I think, and it goes a little bit towards what you said earlier, which is that invisibility and inaudibility. But I think to add to that, I think two catalysts is that, and tell me what you think about these two things. Number one is we just don't believe it quote unquote works. Yeah. Again, it lacks productivity. It's not efficient. So it's something that we engage in because we know we're supposed to. But in a sense, I think Tish Warren said this. Every time we pray, we're basically saying, like, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, that's included in, yeah. our, in our prayer, right? But I think that's a big, I think that's a major, major component of it is that if we believed that, like, prayer really is, like, the heartbeat behind the Christian life, and, it, and it's what really actually keeps our spiritual heart beating— and pulsing, right, in a strong way, we would do it. I think Tim Keller said one time, I forget what book I read this in, but he was talking to Kathy, and they were trying just to establish a a pattern where they prayed before they went to bed, even if it was just like a 30-second prayer. And they just, I don't know, they just struggled to do it. And she made some kind of a point to where she said, what if like, what, what if you knew that by praying before you went to bed every night, it's what kept you alive through the night? And he said, oh, I would never forget to pray. I, I just, <laughs> right. I would automatically pray every night. It'd be like taking medicine or something like that. And so there's, there's just a part of us that doesn't, doesn't believe, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think the, the helplessness thing, like I diagnosed that in myself. So I think it's true for others as well. But just for me, I realized that the times that I'm not engaged in prayer is because I'm essentially engaged in my own self-sufficiency or self-reliance. Yeah. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform.
if prayer is expressed helplessness, and, yeah. I, and it is, I mean, it, regardless of what you're praying for, you're praying because you don't have what you need. Yeah. You don't know what you want to know. God has something, power, healing, answers, direction, whatever, that you don't have. Mm. So prayer is, is, is how we acknowledge we're not God and he is and, and we need his help. So when I'm not praying, by implication, I'm basically saying, I don't need your help. Right. <laughs> I, I can do right. this. Yeah. I've, I've got it. And even if I don't, even if I don't know the answer, even if I can't, I can figure it out. Yeah. So this may be very difficult for me. I may not have the immediate answer. It may be out of my depth. If I'm not praying, I'm basically saying I'm big enough, strong enough, smart enough. I'll figure it out. I can get through this. And prayer is I have nothing without you. I'm, yeah. I can't get through the night without you. Yeah. That's where I'm at. <laughs> you know, but you, you really reached into my second point, which was like, so I think there's this, this unbelief thing that permeates it. And then exactly what you just said is that we don't really see ourselves as being quite as helpless as we actually yeah. are. Right. So we don't, we just don't see the need to go before the Lord with that level of desperation. We're, we're seeing ourselves as like far more sufficient than in, in actuality we, we really are. We just, we don't see ourselves as being, as, as, as just being at the bottom of whatever, whatever the analogy I'm trying to use right now is, right? I want to come back to what you're saying about we don't believe that it works. Yeah. Be- and, and if I can push back just a little bit, although I think you're probably right just in the sense that what we do reflects what we really believe. Yeah. But I think like none of us would say prayer doesn't work. I think what we would say is, it doesn't always work. It doesn't work immediately right. or it doesn't have an immediate yeah. response. So, I mean, I would say, I, I know that God uses my prayer to bring about his ends. I heard John Piper once say, prayer causes things to happen that would not happen if you had not prayed. Yeah. And I'm like, every reformed person in the room about took a dump in their pants. I mean, it was, it was such a, I mean, everybody's cheering, everybody's saying like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, it was like, did he, did, did John Piper, the Calvinist capital C. Oh, in terms just of that, say gotcha, that, gotcha. that okay. prayer causes things to happen that would not happen if you had not prayed. Does I was not thinking believe my in the with it, absolute yes. sovereignty of God and predestination. And the idea is why pray if everything's predestined, I think. Yeah, so when sure. you have someone who is reformed saying, no, no, Prayer causes things to happen that would not happen if you had not prayed. I, I believe that. I believe the Lord uses prayer as the means of bringing about his ends. So I believe that. It's just that it doesn't happen the way I want it to or when yeah. I want it to. And I think that just ties back into that productivity efficiency thing. I mean, you're talking into outer space. Yeah. And it doesn't have the same immediate gratification, the same immediate payoff. Yeah as reading a book or listening to uh, a sermon or a lecture or something. I think that's really where we're at. So the way, the way it works. So I don't think it's that we don't believe prayer works. I think we just don't like the way that it works. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I, and I, I think that's true. And, but I, I wonder too, that we haven't been, I'm trying to think back on the ways that I was like, how was I taught? about prayer and prayer was more, it it was more of supplication oriented growing up. You know, you pray because you need God to act and act on things that you believe need to be acted upon. Right. And I think as you grow in your walk with the Lord and as you read scripture and as you, you know, you read books on prayer, you, you find that prayer is more of a, 
it's, you know, it's not something just to simply get what you want as much as it's to conform you to God's will and then to be formed into a person that is more like Christ, right? So it's like a, it's like a forming thing more than anything else, because when you're praying, that's what you're doing, right? So when you're yeah. praying, you're not being productive. You're, you are doing something that by its very nature is something that is forming a particular kind of like spiritual character that you would say you want, that you would say you desire. And I think if we, I think maybe if we looked at it more in that way, and we do for thinking of it in terms of spiritual disciplines, but if we looked at it as being more forming than anything else, I wonder if it would just reshape sort of how we emphasize it. Yeah, I think how we were taught to pray or just the environment, the kind of prayer that was in, in, in the environments of our spiritual formation, our discipleship growing up and that sort of thing, that certainly directs mm. how we think of prayer today. I also tend to think that the formation of prayer is or can be negatively affected by too much teaching <laughs> on mm. prayer. And, and here's what I mean by that. So here's the thing that almost none of us are, are naturally inclined to do. When we're inclined to do it, it is a supernatural thing. It's it's a the Holy Spirit's inspiring us to pray by Him through Christ to the Father. It doesn't come natural. And then we want to come around and say, okay, don't pray for that. Don't pray like that. Don't pray. We want to have all these different rules and strictures and acronyms. And, and I think that just stifles mm. people's feelings about prayer. I think we need more guidance and and less and fewer rules okay. related to it. Yeah. I remember and this is actually kind of came full circle myself, kind of rebuked myself on this. I remember hearing Joel Osteen. Oh man, I don't like where this podcast is. Yeah, I don't either. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I didn't like <laughs> I didn't like where it's going already. Dude, well, this will be our last episode carry on. Yeah. This is just on TV. It's not like I went to a Joel Osteen conference or anything. <laughs> and uh, I love this. We like we quoted Tim Keller and Tish Warren and John Piper, and they were like, I remember Joel Osteen. Yeah, man, said, we're just, we're, okay. we're diverse, man. We're That's not what here. I'm doing, but I remember just like flipping through the channels and and like, oh, let, let me listen to this guy, which is what I do, just kind of for, you know, the glutton <laughs> for punishment. And he said, you know, he's a prosperity gospelist and all that sort of thing, and he was pulling into a parking lot. I don't remember the whole story, but he was pulling into a parking lot, and he was praying for a parking space. Mm. I claim the parking space in the front of this shopping center close to the door and of course there was one and it was about and i just remember thinking <laughs> okay so first of all bad theology of the of name it and claim it but i also remember thinking like in my head why are you bothering god about something so stupid oh uh, yeah yeah how, how insignificant yeah. the parking space and i held on to that for a long time like yeah this is stupid stuff to, to waste god's time about yes and man, the longer that I've gone, the more angry with myself I am for that inclination. I, I'm not promoting Joel Osteen or anything, but I've come kind of full circle with the idea of, man, the, the scriptures say pray without ceasing Yes, to cast all of your anxieties on him. And obviously a parking space is not as significant as a serious illness or just a serious concern. But what was my impulse to stifle the impulse to pray? Right. I think anything that just opens up the line of communication, if that means you're constantly talking to God yeah. about everything, little and big, go for it. I don't want to put a yeah. rule and say, hey, don't talk to him about parking spaces. He, he doesn't have the time for that. He's God. He's got plenty of time. He's got all the time in the world. 
he 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 may not care about the parking space. He doesn't care about it. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be talking to him and keeping that line open. I'm reluctant. I'm hesitant to come along and say, oh, don't talk about that. Don't say this. Yeah. Whenever people have kind of the negative rules, you know, gosh, you have people making fun of people who want to talk about their hurt dog. We open for prayer requests, but then there's always people who want to talk about Aunt yeah, Sally's right. whatever. Yes. And I'm like, like, hey, they care about Aunt Sally. And Aunt Sally, somebody made in the image of God. And Aunt Sally's bunions may not be as huge a deal as a tsunami in Indonesia or some, you know, but bringing a request. Like, why are we trying to stifle talking to God? Bring yeah, it, no, for sure. Bring it yeah. all. Bring everything. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I just think we we quench it when we're trying to, like, control what people are talking to their father about. Yeah, that's really good. And I it makes me think about the fact that we consider any good relation, like a good relationship is one where, you know, communication is, is constant. It's continual yeah. and people have different ways of doing that. So one of the ways that I do that with my wife is that we just have a constant, we have a text thread that's just constantly going and we just constantly know what the other person's doing. It's not ridiculous, but we just kind of know what's going on. Hey, how was that? How was that meeting? And Hey, what are you doing? What do you, what do you got going on right now? And it's just a way that we're, we're not checking up on each other. We're just actually just, we're, we're continuing a dialogue that in some ways really never, never ends. Now I know for some people, I just described the most horrible thing in the world, but for, (laughs) (laughs) but for, for us, it's just that we, we just have this, we have constant conversation because we just want there to be communication and it comes naturally to us because we started doing this a long time ago and we have, we have phones and all that. And it's just become a natural part of our lives. But I, I, I tend to think of, I've used that as a way to think of my communication with the Lord. I just want to have an ongoing conversation with God. It can be little tiny things. It's an acknowledgement that he is my everything and without him, I can do nothing. And the more I speak to him, the more I'm going to be formed by his presence in my life. So I just, I, no matter what it is, it can be two words, like an important man, a really important prayer is just help me. You know, I'll go into a meeting, man, that I know I'm, I, man, I'm dreading or I don't, I don't have any words and I already know what the topic is going to be. And I, and I find myself going through the door of the coffee shop, just going, Oh Lord, like, would you just help me? I don't even know what to say. That, that's one sentence, right? And, and I'm helped. Like I can feel yeah. that, I, that I'm helped. And so to me, I, I think if we stop looking at prayer, I think it goes back to what you said a minute ago. If we stop making so many rules about what we think it is and we just engage with it the way you would engage with it as communication with a friend, that's one level of it, right? I, I think it would change our perspective and even how we, how we approach it, right? Right. Well, and you have the Lord himself giving us a good model for yeah. for how to pray to the Father, pray like this. I think it's okay to pray to pray this, to pray that prayer. Yeah. I think that's a good a good habit and exercise, but essentially he's saying this is how you pray. And it runs the gamut. I mean, it has you know everything in it. It has adoration, exaltation of God that you are sacred, you are holy. You are other than us. It has talk about forgiveness. We're bringing our confession to God. It has a prayer for daily needs that you would provide for us. It has prayer for others in it. And then ultimately, it's about Christ's lordship, that the kingdom would be made manifest. It's just good that we have our friend Jesus saying, okay, here's how you talk yeah. you know, to us. <laughs> this yeah, is how yeah. you talk to us. And that's super helpful. 
the times where we see Jesus himself getting alone to pray, that's super instructive for me because I'm, I can get pretty good at the, while I'm driving, while I'm getting dressed, while I'm reading kind of prayers. Hey, oh, yeah. You know, as I think about it, Oh Lord, pray for my daughter. I know she's getting ready to, yeah to travel. We just keep her safe and just different things that come to mind. I'll, I'll direct those prayer, turn those into little prayers. But seeing like Luke chapter five, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to yeah. pray. I think, oh, like I actually need to do intentional solitude where pretty much all I'm doing, or at least the most of what I'm doing, is just praying. Yeah. And and nothing else. That was a little more difficult to kind of come around to. But 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 seeing that Jesus had to do it. Yeah. As a sinless person. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly need to do it. I'm getting better at it, but that's something that I'm still working at, I think. Yeah, and I think the again, you know, ending our time here just focusing on on Christ, it's it's funny what we're told that Jesus did in terms of his own preparation for life. And that's really all we're told that he did. You know, we're not he didn't read Desiring God and he didn't, you know, <laughs> we don't even we don't even get the sense other than when he's in the synagogue that he's even studying scripture. And, and, and again, it was it was different. It was different how they, they did that, back, you know, than we're able to do it now. But, but what we get this sense of in terms of his own disciplines was, is that he he prayed like that's what he did. And there's yeah. something really significant about that. That's what we're told that, that he did. All, all the things we're not told that he did, we're, we're told that that was something in particular that he did. And I think for us, as an encouragement to pastors and being just being able to kind of put up our hands and go, oh man, this is definitely a journey for us. And it's not something that we want to feel constantly defeated about as much as we want to grow in our desire and our eagerness towards seeing ourselves as so helpless that we need to express that helplessness to, to God as a way to be formed by his love and by his, by his word. So man, we're all in this thing together. We just, we're just going to keep praying. We're going to have good days and bad days with it, but we're just good. We're just going to keep going before the Lord, right? No, I think it's good. And, and, and I think reconnecting it back to, to pastoral ministry is important as well, because it's just, there's so much that is pushing pastors and that they're pushing themselves towards building something, some kind of vision of success yeah. And it's so easy to think, even as things are going well, people are responding well, the, the attendance trajectory is upward, and yeah, there's, there's not a lot of complaints, all those sorts of things. Well, but, but just imagine what could be done or what you might see yeah. if you were regularly engaged in, in, in acknowledging, I have nothing, I can, I can do nothing apart from God. Yeah. It, it, if you don't move, Lord, I have nothing. That's no matter right how there. big I build this thing, it will not be worth it without a, a move of the Holy Spirit. I just think that's such a huge sense of expectancy and a good reminder yeah. for how, yeah, pastoral ministry is meant to move and live and have its being in 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 the Holy Spirit. Yeah, man. So yeah, that's good. good that's good. We should talk more about this on, on another app. You think? We keep saying yeah. that we ha- we're going to have like multiple <laughs> follow ups to multiple episodes. Well, one of these like, days you know, we're going to have to find a subject that's like that's it. Thirty that's minutes. It, is one, all, that's all you're going to get. All, well, There's not anything else to say about this. Thirty two minutes on prayer. There's literally not. We we covered literally. Well, this every is I'm not saying prayer is it. I'm just saying we're going to find the one. Like this. This is all the information there is. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, um, man. Thanks for joining us, and uh, you've been listening to the Art of Pastor. Open. 
If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at, at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella.